Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, welcome to the Journey to Success radio show. My name is Gary Burleson, today's host and fellow Napoleon Hill Foundation certified coach, international best-selling author and speaker. Filling in for the world's most famous Napoleon Hill Foundation certified coach, Tom Too Tall Cunningham. Today, our guest is Taft Mohair. Taft is a passionate, dynamic, and entertaining speaker with an excellent ability to inspire, inform, and empower people with simple yet profound insights that will move them towards success in all walks of life. Taft addresses thousands of men, women, and children each year on the subject of personal, professional, and spiritual development. His energized talks and seminars on success, leadership, self-esteem, teamwork, spiritual growth, and goal achievement bring about immediate change and long-term results. Taft is president of Empowered Insights, a training and development-based company in Houston, Texas. He's a certified leader with the John Maxwell team in the area of speaking, training, and coaching. Welcome to the show, Taft. It's such an honor to be speaking with you today. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate that warm introduction and welcome. Glad to be here. Hey, congratulations. You are now an international best-selling author. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate that too. And that these are exciting times. That has been to be greeted like that from friends, being a number one best-selling author. That has it has been surreal. It has been surreal, and I'm grateful to be a part of the team. Well, and I was just wondering how that made you feel, if it had been a dream of yours for some time, to become an author. It had, it had not been a dream of mine, per se, to be an author. But being an author has been an extension of my purpose and my mission, with a desire to impact people's lives, to help people create success and grow and become more. So when I was presented with the opportunity, it made me reflect on several different instances that led me to being presented the opportunity. One of them being a friend told me 10 years ago, Kevin Riles, he's written two books, Tap, you should write a book. I scratched mm-hmm. my head, me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. And then several people over that span of 10 years have encouraged me, have pushed me, sewn into me to to write a book. And I think the most, how do I put it? Mind-boggling seed, if you will. (laughs) Let's use that phrase. Most mind-boggling seed. Mm. I'm embedded in a professional development course at Prairie View M University as a guest lecturer. Mm -hmm. And I speak on success principles. So the professor who wrote the course, when he was writing the course eight or nine years ago, he gave me a call and asked me my thoughts. I was excited that he was designing a course that was going to basically indirectly teach success principles, but he wasn't calling it success principles. He wasn't saying, let's go get, they can grow rich. 
and master key to riches and build a course around it. That wasn't his, his objective. But when he asked me, that gave me the opportunity to insert those principles. So as time goes on, we're impacting all of these students and we see the results, increased GPA, we see the results in placement, job placement, internships, all the goals that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Then about a year ago, year and a half ago, he says, Taft, if you wrote a book, we guarantee, we would, we would purchase guaranteed every semester 150 copies to use in the course. Wow. And Gary, I looked at him and I was, I was dumbfounded. One reason I was dumbfounded because you would use my book because he had asked me several times what book should we use from the beginning of the course. So the first book I thought of was Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. And then John Maxwell's Failing Forward. Yeah. And then Eric Thomas's The Secrets of Success. Mm-hmm. So he's allowed me to influence the course, even though he wrote the course, but I've been able to influence the course over time. And so when he said that I, if I wrote a book, they used my book in the course, it was, it was humbling. I was blown away. He saw something in you. And I'm grateful for that. I don't want to get emotional. Let me loosen up. But yes, he saw something in me and I'm grateful for that. And Napoleon Hill has impacted that course in ways that I can't even number. Mm. And we'll, we'll talk about that more as we go on in the interview. But it's been so many different instances where I've extracted those principles to teach them. This is how you set a goal. This is how you accomplish a task. This is how you get this position with the company you, you've desired since freshman year. This is how you increase your GPA. And going back and teaching the principle of success versus just saying, go do this. And so then they grow, they learn, they become stronger, and they apply it in another area. But the most exciting part is to see some of them come back and give and serve in, in, inside the course or to the university period. Mm-hmm. And it's my alma mater also. So that's a completely additional, an additional level rather of excitement for me to be able to have a, a positive impact on my school. Well, now that you've gotten your feet wet with this chapter in volume seven of Journeys to Success, and I'm looking for a copy right here, but 31 different stories. So, so the, now that you've got your feet wet, do you think that you may go ahead with the with the whole book idea? Yes, sir. And my faith and belief, not only in my ability to write a book, increased in this process, but I, I've seen over the, the past, I don't know, I've been, I've been doing training and development for 20 years now. And I'll put it like this, Lu, Lupita Nyong'o, when she won the Oscar a year or two ago, she said something in her acceptance speech. Your voice has value. That resonated with me in such a strong way Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and I don't take it from a selfish perspective that that only my voice has value, right. but everyone's voice yes. has value Exactly, because the work that you're doing with our youth that resonated with me, mm-hmm. but it may not resonate with this person here. The work that I do at Prairie View or at other institutions, it may not resonate with this person, but it may resonate with Gary. And so it's exciting to see someone who's at that level of success to make a statement that your voice has value. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your income level is, your voice has value. So because I understand that clearly now, and I'm not doubting that anymore, I see the value in taking the work I've done over the past 20 years and documenting it 
in a series of books. There not you go. just one. There you go. But a series. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited about the process. Wow, that is exciting. Congratulations. Well, I know you titled your chapter Rolls Royce Dreams and Big Wheel Work Ethic. <laughs> Tell us about that concept. Well, that first of all, I'm a man of faith. I'm a believer. I love God. And I'm too. Praise God. God gave me an idea. I was introduced to Napoleon Hill through network marketing. Mm-hmm. So, so was I, actually. Great. Excellent. And I got a story about that, too. We'll talk about that in a second. Right. But in my second company, I was writing, I was doing some training. And, and, you know, the beauty of network marketing, you can discover your purpose within the industry. You can, yeah. I was telling a young man just last night at Bible study, our pastor, who's his uncle, told him to talk to me because our pastor knows that I'm a motivational speaker and trainer and coach. And he wants to be a speaker. And I know he's in network marketing. Mm-hmm. So I shared with him. He asked me first, what should I do? And I said, well, number one, you're already doing the, one of the best things you could do without even knowing it. You're in network marketing. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me like, well, what does that mean? And I let him know that when Dr. Dennis Kimbrough released, I don't know if it was What Makes a Great Great or Think and Grow Rich a Black Choice, I met him. And he said to myself and my good friend, Kevin Riles, speak every chance you get. Yeah. I began to smile because in network marketing, we present all the time. And me personally, I began to write my own trainings, Gary, many years ago. I was writing trainings, even in college, I was writing trainings. So network marketing gave me the opportunity to express this gift and develop this gift. And being exposed to Napoleon Hill, writing these trainings, I was in my second company and the need to help everyone understand that you have this grand goal but does your work ethic match the goal? Does your work ethic match your dream? And God gave me the idea, Rolls Royce dreams, big wheel work ethic. The Rolls Royce, because unfortunately, I think one of the downsides of our industry in network marketing, we place all the dreams on physical items like a Rolls Royce or a mansion, et cetera. So I'm not gonna get everybody's, everyone's attention with a picture of a Rolls Royce, but then I could get them to go back to their childhood with a picture of a big wheel, a green machine. Mm, So Rolls Royce dreams, big wheel work ethic. And then we just begin to develop the idea from there to paint the whole picture of your dream is here, but your work ethic is here. So how do we close that gap? Mm -hmm. The dream and the work ethic, they go hand in glove. I mean, they, without one of the other, it, it wouldn't work, obviously. Right. And, and I noticed in your book, you, you say, I like to call daring dreams, Rolls Royce level dreams. And of course, the big wheel is it takes no effort. I remember when I was young, I, I didn't have big wheels then. We had real tricycles back when I was a kid. <laughs> but when my kids were growing up in the 80s, uh, yeah, they had a, the big wheel. You know, it's the great big wheel on the front. It looks like a tricycle, but it takes hardly any effort at all to make those things go. Exactly. And if it takes very little effort, and unfortunately, you know, I think that's a paradigm in our society that so many people feel, think, believe, is that it, it shouldn't take much effort to succeed. It shouldn't be so hard to succeed. Why is it 
that's easy, you know? And so you've got a really great concept with a really great analogy because success does require, and you, and I really like what you were talking about, the relatives <laughs> of, of a poor work ethic and the relatives of a strong work ethic. Would you, right. would you elaborate on that some, please? Well, one of the things that, that I've done, I learned from looking at Jesus and studying Jesus that he taught using stories. And so my background is engineering, so I could easily be very technical. I could easily give all of these steps and be very analytical. And I have a lot of friends who say I am. My wife says I am analytical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I know in order for me to reach the audience that I need to make it relate. I need to connect the dots. So in talking about poor work ethic and strong work ethic or weak work ethic and the right work ethic, how could I paint this picture? And the idea unfolded to take the things that relate to poor work ethic and tell a story. So the story that I began to tell is one of my many stories of failure. <laughs> and, you know, the, the whole concept of failure, once we look at it from the right perspective, yeah. It no long, we will no longer frown about it. We will, we'll smile about it. Yeah. And the way I make that statement is with failure comes a weight or with failure comes wisdom. When you look at the weight of failure, you'll walk around sad. Yeah. You'll walk around depressed, upset, angry. And all of those emotions, habits, and actions are family members to poor work ethic. So the analogy in the book that I used was, it was my second year of school in, in electrical engineering, taking a mechanical engineering course called thermodynamics. And I had a bad attitude. That's a relative of poor work ethic. It probably starts with that relative. And the bad attitude manifested from, I am an electrical engineering major. Why do I have to take this course? I'm not in mechanical engineering. Yeah. Well, obviously, people who are a lot smarter than you, Taft, mm. they designed this curriculum. So just sit down, be quiet, and do what they said to do. Mm. But I hadn't grown to that level yet. So my attitude was bad. The course was difficult. And I had already been on, a, on, a, on an emotional roller coaster with my GPA. And the book, talk, the book talks about that. But in that particular semester, for the first time in my life, I failed the course. Mm. I never failed a class in my life. And I didn't know how to respond to that. So that introduced me to some additional relatives for work ethic, namely doubt. And once you begin to doubt in one area, you will also doubt in other areas. Yeah. But I had a wake up call. A friend of mine saw me and he just asked me, Taft, what's wrong? And I looked at him I'm like, how do you know something's wrong with me? I could see it all over your face. Yeah. And I sat there and I thought, Taft, you've already failed the class. Why are you walking around like this? <laughs> well, this is not going to change anything. Yeah. And so I made a new decision. I enrolled in summer school, took the class a second time, earned an A, as the book talks about. And so that whole process of going through the ups and downs of my GPA, being introduced to the relatives of poor work ethic, the one thing that aided me, I believe, at that point was I would self-reflect. I developed a habit of asking myself, what did you do great? What do you need to work on? Yeah. And I would write these things down. And I could see over the course of a semester where I began to make my mistakes, where I would go wrong, what I was allowing to distract me. And then I began to self-correct and do things differently. Long story short, that summer, earned an A in that class, 
and B's and other classes earned a 3.8 that summer. And this just went from there. And but I, t- I take all of that, those experiences of failure and experiences with winning. And I use those as a platform to teach other people how to win. So I have lots of stories of failing in academics, failing as an engineer, failing when I launched my first business and my second business. And, you know, so I just take those and I use them as a platform to teach other people how to win in life. Yeah. That's how it kind of, how everything manifested. Well, in the book, you describe these family members of a poor work ethic as worry, fear, doubt, poor self-image, lack of focus, procrastination, blame, laziness, and lack of clarity. On the other hand, and, and I would say that this is what happened with you, Napoleon talks about taking possession of your mind, right? Get a purpose, apply yourself to it, think take possession of your mind. So on the other hand, the strong work ethic family members are planning, faith, desire, belief, focus, being intentional, ambitious, self-controlled, patient, seeking wise counsel, discipline, persistence, and vision, to name just a few. Right. So that's what happened. You, you, know, you, would, self, you would analyze yourself. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And right. So, and then you, you decided to, instead of letting the weight of failure, what was the other term you used or the? The weight of failure or the wisdom of failure. The wisdom of failure. You let the wisdom speak to you, to your, as Napoleon likes to call it, your other self, uh, the self that's being transformed, that's being, that's becoming. Right. Uh, the person that, that I think we're meant to be. I think all of us were created with certain talents and abilities that until we kind of look inside and, mm-hmm. and mine out, if you will, that treasure that's inside of us, that those gold nuggets or those right. jewelries, because our hearts is where it's all at. Right, our right. hearts are like incredibly valuable. So, yeah, great, great object lessons, great stories, as Jesus, the Bible would say, great parables. Right, 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 right. So, uh, and I noticed you started your chapter with a quote by Napoleon Hill, which we've just discussed, and it goes like this. Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of equal or greater benefit. What a great way to start your chapter. What was amazing about that, Gary, if I can add this, is I didn't add that quote until I had already written the chapter. Yeah. So I didn't start like with the quote, even though it starts the chapter. I wrote the chapter and I already had certain quotes in mind that I was going to use. But that particular quote, I added that quote after I had written. I think I was on my third, second or third revision of the chapter before I added that particular quote. And because I felt like it was such a great introduction, you know, because I believe that everything is a seed, mm-hmm. whether it be a negative thing or a positive thing, everything is a seed. And when we don't like the harvest that we're yielding in life, most people don't go back and check their seed. Mm. And I really wanted to highlight the value of, I mean, there's so much value in his writing, so much value in his work. And then people who've taken on like yourself and Tom Cunningham, who've taken on the mantle of certified instructor. There's so much value because your voice has value. Just like with, you know, take a mastermind. So when you add the value in your voice to the value in 
in Napoleon Hill's voice and you begin to grow from there, so many additional people are impacted. And I think that is the, the significance of going back to Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o's quote, that your voice has value. And sometimes you need someone else to help develop that voice, bring that voice out, or even give you a platform. So I hope I didn't go off on too, too much of a tangent there. No, excellent. So I wanted to ask, because you end your chapter with how to develop a strong work ethic, and you have three points. Would you care to describe that? Yes. Point number one, it all speaks to purpose. You know, when, when most people in, in the work that I do as a, as a speaker, trainer, coach, you know, earning an engineering degree, I even, this go be beyond my work currently going back to being a student in engineering, going into corporate America. I have a count, I have countless numbers of people who never, they never discovered their purpose. They never discovered why what on earth am I here for? Yeah. And to you wonder oftentimes when you're getting up, going into a job or even a business that you may own, but it doesn't pull your heartstrings. You're not passionate about it. It's not your purpose in life. Yeah. And you wonder why you have to push yourself and prod yourself and make yourself work at a higher level. But when you compare that to people who've discovered their purpose, which is what I refer to as the first step in developing your work ethic, when you discover your purpose, you will burn the midnight oil mm -hmm. without being asked to. You're able to work through lunch, through dinner, because you have a definite chief aim yep. in the center of your mind. And you're going after this goal, this task, this objective, this vision that you have. And you just you have this burning desire to accomplish this goal and whether it be adding value, building a company, uh, starting a school, whatever the case may be, or building, a, maybe it is engineering, maybe it's an engineering firm. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've run into so many people who working as engineers, they were successful. They were making money, but they were not walking in purpose and they were unhappy. I have a coaching client who came, to, she first came to me 10 years ago and I don't believe my coaching services were in her budget. I can't remember how it worked out, mm -hmm. but I, I attempted to add value, period. I gave her some instructions, and then t she didn't follow them. Ten years later, she comes back with the same questions. Mm. Wow. Everything was centered around purpose. Now, she's very intelligent, two degrees, yeah. but she, she gets up every day and she's not happy doing what she's doing. And so I, I understood that she had to discover her purpose in life. So we gave her some steps and things to work on to, to go from there. And so it, it all, number one, the first step all speaks to discovering your purpose in life, knowing what your gifting is, knowing why you were put here. And once you discover that, you get this, this infusion of energy, this enthusiasm, which is necessary for success to accomplish said objective as you begin to develop clarity around that purpose. Because sometimes we can, we can kind of see what the purpose is, but it may not be totally clear. And as you begin to get around the right people, the right mentors and coaches and advisors, you can really flesh that out. The second step is getting a mentor. And I know with my career, I didn't have a mentor as I began to develop, build my network marketing business. And I did not even understand the necessity of having a mentor. So the way I figured things out for the first 10, 12 years was trial and error. <laughs> and a lot of people quit in that time frame. Mm -hmm. and, but I just didn't know. So then when I did get an environment where I could have a mentor, because I spent so many years not having one, for whatever reason, I didn't trust the people who were coming into my life to mentor me. I didn't respect the mentor. I didn't honor the mentor. I was failing my way forward. And we know that's a book by John Maxwell, but that's yeah. a perfect picture of 
how I was moving forward. I was figuring things out, quote unquote, hard way. And when you do it the hard way for so long, you get discouraged. I got discouraged. Yeah. You get discouraged. You, it, it, it impacts your work ethic, your drive, your focus, your clarity. But when you have a mentor in your life who can let you know if you have a six-figure dream, you, this is your six-figure work ethic. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you have a million-dollar dream, this is your million-dollar work ethic. Yeah. And, and I don't want to just put it on money, even when it comes to being a, being a great husband, being a great father, modeling a mentor can be life-changing in that regard. Yes. When you have someone that you can pattern yourself after and be developed and, sh- and be shown, how do I truly work at building a great marriage? Yeah. Versus you think you're working at it, but you really have that, that poor work ethic, you know, being poured into the marriage. And then you, you're wondering, why, why, why do my results look like this? And then, of course, the, the third area is developing the habit of working hard, developing the habit of going the extra mile. And this is, that was probably the most significant piece of advice that I've taken from Napoleon Hill. And it, it happened, I believe I was reading Master Key to Riches. And to be honest, I wasn't reading it. I was going around reading different parts. I wasn't reading it straight through, wasn't studying the book, which then we can talk about <laughs> later on also. But I was looking at different parts and what stuck out to me, I was at a point in my company where I was not earning the income that I wanted, I needed, I desired, I was frustrated. And Napoleon Hill, I'm sitting in my office and he tells me, Taft, go the extra mile. And I had a client, we're doing great work for them, but they couldn't compensate me what my fee was. They paid me, but they couldn't afford my fee, but they needed the work. I wanted to provide the work. I needed the work also. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going, I'm going to fill this contract. But as I was fulfilling the contract, I saw the need for more work that needed to be done, but they didn't have the budget for it. Right. I I had two decisions. One of two decisions I can make. I could not do the work, even though I know it needs to be done and people's lives are going to be impacted, or I could just do the work anyway. Yeah. At first I decided I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing it for free. Free pays no bills. But in reading that section of Master Key to Riches, going the extra mile, Gary, it, it hit me in such a way that I made a decision from that point forward. I'm going to do more than what I'm being asked to do. I'm going to do more than what I'm being paid to do. And I'm not just going to do it for this client. I'm going to do it for everyone and everything. And I'm just going to live in this because it made me reflect on the point that I'd heard earlier or learned earlier in my life that everything is a seed. Mm-hmm. And so once I made a decision to give of myself, to serve, don't focus on, I had a, I had a, a challenge with understanding how to pull profits out of my passion because I didn't have a mentor, didn't have a coach. Mm-hmm. And so I was struggling. My business was going up and down. So in the process of breaking, attempting to break through that struggle, I read that chapter going above and beyond, go the extra mile, give it your all. And I made a decision. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And so now it has become a habit to do more, to yeah. give more. And a lot of people, when I've shared this, well, Taft, you were doing it with something that you love to do. You're right. But just because you haven't, going back to point number one, haven't discovered your purpose yet, don't wait to discover your purpose before you develop the habit of going the extra mile. Develop the habit of going the extra mile now. Because when you do discover your purpose and you apply that habit, the world will be changed for the better. And I truly believe that. That is true. One of the most important principles in the book, absolutely, for sure. There's a lot in your chapter, 
And uh, I would like to just one more thing here talk about. You quote Earl Nightingale and what Earl's definition of success is. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And so you go, you've got a whole section in, in this chapter about success and you describe it as a process, which it is. It's, right. it's it's a part of the journey. It's not a destination. It is the journey itself. Care to elaborate on that anymore? Yes, I believe that's very important because it's several elements to that and why I believe it's important. Number one, most people never define success for themselves. They take on the world's definition of success. Yeah. And typically, Gary, you probably agree, yeah. it stems from a money, you know, position and title yeah. and Dang. things. And then we acquire these things and we still feel empty. Yep. You know, the money, the car, the house, the travel. And then you're still wondering, well, why, why do I feel like this? And I've had, I've had people who make way more money than I do. Mm-hmm. People who will, you're talking about multiple degrees, long titles, and to see them listening to me and taking notes, that's very humbling. And so to, it, it really helped me to understand that people have not defined success for themselves. So when I, when I heard that quote by Earl Nightingale, I'm the kind of person, I don't just believe, I, I want the quote, then I want the book, I want the video, I want, I want the, I'm going to go the extra mile in getting the rest of the information. So I begin, you know, to watch the video on YouTube, try to get the audio. What can I get from, from Earl Nightingale to learn more about what he was teaching? I believe this was the 1950s, correct? Is that back yeah. in the 1950s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I begin to really look at that, that definition, success is the progressive realization. That word progressive, it, it lit me up. It lit me up because I was battling with this concept of success is I have gotten to this position. I've earned this title. I've earned this amount of money. I, I've gotten this promotion. And no, Taft, even though you're going through a valley, because you're going through the valley, you're not, you, you haven't put your car in park. You are progressing. So you are successful. And so being able to tell other people, you know, what I had to realize and what I had to learn to help them realize that, yes, you are making progress. Yes, you are successful. Stop comparing yourself to everyone. Let's look within. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Mm. Now the question becomes, what is your worthy ideal? Yeah. What is, what's, what's deep inside of you that you've always dreamed about accomplishing or doing or being? And for me, like I said, I have an engineering degree, but the only reason people I have, I, 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 I could, if I could count on, if I could count the number of times, rather, people have asked me, do you miss engineering? Do you regret walking away from engineering? Do you miss what you used to do? I know you miss it, don't you, Tal? <laughs> and I look at them and I'm like, no. And the question has been asked so many times that it makes me think about what they're saying, not doubting my decision, but what in them makes them think that I miss it? Because society has elevated getting an engineering degree and being an engineer, et cetera, et cetera. You are successful. But I have friends who are engineers who are very unhappy. Yeah. So being the reason I got the engineering degree, I was great at math and science. 
It wasn't about a worthy ideal. <laughs> it wasn't about a purpose or a passion, a definite chief aim. I was just great at math and science. And the idea of becoming a doctor, no, too much school, lawyer, too much reading. And so I was saying no to these other fields for the wrong reasons, but yet and still I was saying no. So I get my engineering degree. I interned every summer, basically while I was in undergrad. And God afford, opened a lot of doors, afforded a lot of opportunities, but I still, I didn't know the term then, worthy ideal, but I was moving somewhere. I was still progressing. Yeah. So I graduate, I get two offers, both from companies that I was targeting, and I decided to take the one that was based here in Houston. And, and I'm getting up every day and I'm just unhappy. And I, Gary, I couldn't figure out for the life of me, why am I getting up every day and going to this office? And I'm just, I'm not happy. I literally, I felt depressed yeah. and I couldn't put my finger on it. Hadn't been introduced to network marketing yet. I'm going to work every day. I'm hitting the snooze button three, four, five times. These are, these are not, some people say these things, they just, you, they embellish the story. This is what I was actually doing. Hitting the snooze button, didn't want to go into work. I'm tired. I didn't have the energy. I just felt drained. And I, I was going in and leaving work late. So I never rarely saw the sun, you know, in the evenings. And that became depressing. Yeah. So I just couldn't put my finger on it. And one day it hit me. When were, you, when were you at your happiest? And it wasn't getting an engineering degree, but it was helping other people get their degree. And I began to self-reflect and I began to realize I did more mentoring in college than I did studying <laughs> for my classes. Really? <laughs> I did more pe people. Now I have a friend who's in the military. He's a captain. He's stationed in, in Naples. We went through undergrad together. We went through engineering research together. He sent me a message from his wife's Facebook account. He doesn't have a Facebook account. And Gary, he said to me, I see you Taft. You're doing exactly what I could see you, you would be doing when we were in school. How about and that? it made me kind of like think like, well, what was I doing? <laughs> you know, really, what was I doing to make you think that I would be doing this today? Hmm. And so it's, it's refreshing to me to know the, that I'm congruent, yeah. but I went through those periods of wonder, frustration, self-doubt, and then, of course, self-reflection to get to this point. But getting the engineering degree, going into corporate America, reflecting back, and then I began to look for a way out of corporate. And that's what led me to network marketing. And then let, network marketing led me to Napoleon Hill, led me to Earl Nightingale, led me to Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn. Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy, yep. S. Brown. And I just began to absorb the information. Yep. Sadly enough, I wasn't studying the information, but I was constantly absorbing the information. Yeah. And that still gave me, even though I wasn't studying the information, it gave me a platform to start looking and asking the right questions. And I started getting closer and closer to a worthy ideal. And after that, walked away from engineering, struggled, went back to work, Went to work as a teacher because I didn't want to do anything that was going to eat up my entire schedule like an engineering position would. And I loved working with youth. And I fell in love for those six years that I was teaching. And people say, well, why don't you leave the classroom? Well, it wasn't the students. It was the adults. <laughs> you know, and so it was all of the adults, that, the, the adult stuff that we had to deal with. And so we, we taught for six years. And so people ask now, well, do you miss engineering or do you wish you would you ever go back to teaching? And I said, to be honest, I'm still an engineer. 
I just engineer a different problem. In addition to that, I'm still a teacher. I'm walking in that gift every single day in the work that I'm doing. So the su- success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Once that got into me and I began to really look at those words and they became real to me and I began to write them down. And, and I like to say, I, I developed things on paper. It became so real to me and I could look back on my life and I could see the path. Even though I was going through one person, I, he- I heard them say, the road of success will go straight through hell. Just don't put your car in park. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so good. So I could see, I could easily see. Yeah. I went through a lot of hell. Oh, wow. How about you? are awesome. Thank you. Sir. And, and I can see why people would want to hire you to speak or to have you as their coach or mentor. So Thank how can, how can someone get a hold of you? How can you be found? I can be found through my website, Taft Mohair. Dot com T-A-F-T-M-O-H-A-I-R, taftmohair.com, or I can be emailed at info at taftmohair.com, info, I-N-F-O, at taftmohair.com, or even on social media, Taft Mohair, all, all the platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I've been told by my younger clients that I should have a, an account on Snapchat, but I haven't gone that far yet. Yeah. So uh, also on YouTube, but everything is linked to my name, Taft Mohair. And to keep everything simple, T-A-F-T-M-O-H-A-I-R, Taft Mohair. Just Google that and everything will come up and we can connect and go from there. Awesome. Any last words you'd like to say before we end the interview? I want to reiterate the point we shared earlier about Lupita Niango, your voice has value. You're going to have people, going to have well-meaning family members who are going to try to encourage you as they did me. You shouldn't do that. You're making good money. Keep doing what you're doing. Whatever that voice down deep inside you is saying to pursue, pursue it with everything, with everything that is in you. Don't worry about the, the distractions. Distractions come to distract. But you keep progressing forward towards that worthy ideal and don't make my mistake. Have mentors, advisors, and coaches to help you doing this process. It won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. What an awesome way to end the interview. And I would just like to add this to all the listeners. The new book that's out, volume seven, it journeys to success. 31 international authors share their captivating stories of failure and success based on the success principles of Napoleon Hill. And it's a very thick book. I was really surprised when I got my copy the other day, how it's like an inch and a half thick. Right, right, right. There's a lot of gold. Yes. So you can find it on amazon.com. Taft's chapter is number 11. So check it out. And thanks again for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details. 